joined us today online, I'd like to give a shout out to Mark Finley. Uh, I was in Indianapolis and he inspired this sermon today. I'm not Mark Finley, but I will ask for the Holy Spirit to, to guide me through this. And our title today is The Power of Prayer. Our question is, what is intercessory prayer? How does it work? May I suggest to you, it's when we cast our feet at ourself at Jesus' feet, it's when we seek his power to change circumstances, either in our lives or in someone else's. It's when we pray for a loved one. It's when we pray for our church family. It's when we pray for our friends and when we pray for each other. See, we have a God that wants to be involved in our lives. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, today, I humbly come before the throne of grace and mercy. I ask that your words will be spoken here. Hide me behind the cross, and may you be glorified. And Lord, may this touch someone to have them come to the foot and want to know you. That is my prayer. Amen. My question is to you, are you concerned about the current state of America? Are you concerned about the storms that are brewing in the Gulf today? Are you concerned about the fires that are burning up California? And by the way, one of our schools had to move. So keep them in prayer. Are you concerned about the virus? Are you concerned about poverty? Do you believe that prayer can help a nation? United prayer. Let me take you to modern times. It was World War II. The year was 1940. Hitler bombers were in control. They were pounding the Allies' positions. The tank divisions were moving at free will across Europe. They were destroying everything in their past. The Allies had their back to the wall. Things were looking bleak. It was during this time that Winston Churchill coined that famous phrase, the lights across Europe have gone out overnight. He was right. See, most of Europe has fallen to the German army. It looked like Germany was in full control. Then something strange happened. It was not rainy season, but it began to pour. It began to pour on the continent side of Europe. Not common for this time of year. The rain pouring down turned the ground into mud. It slowed Hitler's tanks down to a crawl. Not only that, but the fog that was hanging over the English Channel, lifted, and the sky was clear. Over 338,000 British forces and Allies' troops made it off the beaches of Dunkirk. 
Even today, historians are having a hard time explaining how this happened. The weather pattern for this time of year changed overnight. Here's the untold story. See, all along the English Channel, lights were on. Pastors have called on the people to pray. And they came by the hundreds and the thousands, men, women, children. They were seeking God. They interceded in unity prayer, praying God would work a miracle to change the tide of human history. Don't miss this. The pubs were closed for prayer. British Parliament became a place for prayer. Teachers interrupted their classes for prayer sessions. It was through prayer, I believe 100%, that history was changed. And this is an example of unity prayer in our time today. Intercessory prayer is biblical. You know, we may not understand everything about prayer. I don't. I may not understand how it works. But the fact is this because we may not understand something doesn't mean it isn't true. See, when, for me anyhow, when I think about how Christ came to this world and he left his heavenly home, To be born in a bond, to live a life of poverty, to be left alone by his own disciples in the time of need, then nailed to the cross, and he did this while we were still sinners? This is hard for me to understand how he could, Jesus, could love us in our condition. United prayer is in scriptures also. If we look in Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 7.14, 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, seek my face turn them from wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. See, if my people is plural and if they will turn from their wicked ways, if they will unite together, see, we can see God in the Old Testament given us a recommendation to come together and unite in prayer. But he doesn't stop there. When you look at the New Testament, Paul is planning to visit Rome in Romans 15.30. I appeal to you, brothers, plural, by our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the love of the Spirit to strive together 
to come together with me in your prayers to God for me on my behalf. Paul is asking before he visits Jerusalem an example how we should pray and come together for one another. Paul knew. Paul had firsthand experience. He knew the power of prayer. He knew coming together in one spirit and in, one, and in prayer. One of the most powerful moments in United Prayer came in the New Testament. Also, in Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, people as a whole, the place in which they gathered together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the words of God with boldness. They spoke of Jesus. What a great example of prayer united. You know, we looked at the Old Testament. We looked at the New Testament now in United Prayer. And then we also looked at modern time. And people go, well, yeah, you're right. Prayer united is good. But Gary, do you know that battle that we're in? It's difficult. Yes. Brothers and sisters, there is a battle going on. It's called the Great Controversy. And it began in heaven. Go with me. Revelation 12, 7 to 9, verse 7. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with a dragon. Verse 8. They, the dragon, did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that the serpent of old called the devil, Satan, who deceives the whole universe. He was cast to the earth and his angels with him. Houston, we have a problem. What type of aliens are we dealing with? What situation are we really in? The Bible answers that. I want you to go to Ephesians 6.12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against power, against the rules of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Let me break it down. You and I, brothers and sisters, we're in a battle. And we're not dealing with an enemy we can see, we can get our hands on, but with angels, angels, once that we're in heaven. I advocate to you, they're conniving, they're wicked, and they're invisible. And it's a battle over our soul. It's between the forces of righteousness and the forces of evil. 
is between Christ and Satan. And you and I are involved. You know, it reminds me, I had the privilege of uh, the fourth commandment to me, honor thy mother and father, uh, or the fifth, I'm sorry. It's so special, you know, and I had the privilege of taking care of my mother. And one of the things we would do in the evening is I would go in and I said, Mom, let's pray. It was always a peaceful time in that room. But on this particular night, she set up in her own strength. Her eyes rolled back. An evil look came on her face. A voice spoke that wasn't hers and used words that she would not speak and said, you will not go to heaven. I knew it was evil. And I remember in scriptures that they commanded the disciples. So I said, in the name of Jesus, leave this room. And I did what any good man would do. I ran out of it. And after running out of that room, I got on my knees. And I prayed. See, this is what we got to understand. Sometimes we think this battle we can conquer in our own strength. We think we can meet them one-on-one because we look from human eyes. There's one thing for certain. We cannot face the devil in our own strength. You're set up to lose. I knew in my power I had no defense. See, I knew I needed Jesus. I needed prayer. See, I'm no fool. I might feel like I'm 30. Then I look in a mirror and I really realize where I'm at in life. And it's not a bad place, by the way. You know, the good news, we, I always like it when we study because God always gives us, out of scriptures, good news. And you know what the good news is? We're not left to fight this battle alone. Have you ever, when you were in school, went out to the schoolyard and you walked in the wrong territory? I went to some sometimes tough schools, sometimes not so tough. But in the playground, everybody had a certain area. You looked around and you were alone and your boys weren't with you. Well, I'm here to tell you, the same general who led the battle in heaven, who conquered and threw out the evil one, is our general in the battle on earth. He will never leave you or forsake you, not even in a schoolyard when evil is all around you. Hebrew 1.14. And I love this verse, and I want you to listen to it closely. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Wow. Heavenly angels enter this battle to influence people for eternity. 
God is arranging events in our life to lead us to salvation. God is working in each and every one of our lives. So I don't want you to be discouraged because you will have adversity. Just as it says in Revelation 3.19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. We are like a rough stone. We have rough edges. And we need to be polished. And in polishing, I had a company, one of the first ones companies in the United States that would come and polish the floors. It's a big business now, and I sold it. But, but you would start with very aggressive metals, and it would just tear that concrete up. And as you move forward, you would step up to something not as aggressive, but if you skip the process, it would show up in the end. So you had to do each process and each step less aggressive each time as you move forward to perfection. God in our adversity cuts away our defects in love. He is working to restore, not to destroy. He is transforming us by his goodness, by his love, and by his grace. And I want you to know he will not strike one useless blow. Everything will be done in love. I know this is hard to believe. It reminds me when my adopted grandfather who I had the privilege of staying with for a couple years, tried to instill some structure in my life. I was, a, as my mother said, a rascal. And, uh, but he would say, and I, I deserved everything I got, I promise you, but he would take that paddle, and he said, come here, son. Oh. And then he would use these words on me, like, I want you to know this is going to hurt me more than you. And I would think to myself, well, why don't you give me the paddle? And that way it won't hurt you as much. I deserved what he gave me, and I appreciate the structure. See, in this battle, we're in a process. And God, you can't miss this, and this journey we're on this morning, voluntarily limits himself. He will not interfere with our power of choice. And he will allow the conflicts to play out. During this process, we need to understand and realize something. God is a God of love. He will never manipulate the will, or the conscience. He will never force his will on us because this is contrary 
to the principle of love, which is his foundation of God's government. You know, in this battle that we're in, we've been given a weapon, and it's one of the most unused weapons that I, I see people don't use. It's prayer. You know how to make Satan and his host tremble? It's when we pray for each other. You and I become a channel, a river of God's blessings for others. In Testimony of the Church, Volume 1, page 346. Satan cannot endure to have his powerful rival, Jesus, appealed to. For he fears and trembles before Jesus' strength. At the sound of earnest prayer, Satan's host trembles. When we pray for someone, even though God is doing everything, he can do to reach. Jesus said, I have come not to destroy but to save that all will have everlasting life in prayer. So never quit praying. He can do more in behalf of someone's life. Do you find that amazing? We have a God who wants to do everything to save us, but yet if we pray and we're specific, he moves even farther. Our prayers send to heaven. I want you to envision this journey with me. Our prayers ascend to heaven. Angels spring into actions. They put on their running shoes. Look at what the Selected Message, Book 2, page 377 says. Ministering angels are waiting about the throne to instantly... Obey the mandate of Jesus Christ to answer every prayer in earnest living faith. Can you imagine that angels are lined up? They are willing, they are able, and they're wondering why we're not in prayer more. And this is all part of God's great plan, by the way. You know, God wants to partner with us. He wants to use us in the ministry of salvation for others. Go with me. I, you know, I could give you my own opinions and everything, but there's nothing greater than going to scriptures and going to the spirit of prophecy that has been given to us. On page 525 in the Great Controversy, God honors our choice to pray for others and works more powerful in their behalf that he would not do otherwise. Wow. We have a God who recognizes our choice when we pray for others. God is pouring out his Holy Spirit. Wow. On our loved ones through us in prayer.
I don't know about you, when I was writing this and I read that, I wanted to stop right there. I wanted to pray. I wanted to pray for a loved one. Doesn't it make you want to pray for a loved one? A husband? Maybe a wife? A son? A daughter? A friend? Somebody that's struggling? Somebody that needs? We need hope. You look in this world, and there's so many people wondering what's going on. What's so awesome about what we have is we have a hope in Jesus. And when we pray, it makes a difference in the lives of others. That's a promise. What better example of the power of prayer than Jesus' life? Here's Jesus. He's heading to the Jordan. Sinless as he is, he's given us as an example that he's going to be baptized. He knelts, kneels on the bank. I'm building this up. And he offers a public prayer. I want you to go with me to Luke 3, 21 and 22. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. Don't miss this. And while he prayed, the heavens were open. Verse 22. And while he was praying, the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven. I can't wait till he comes in the clouds and he says that to each and every one of us. You are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. See, our Christian journey is difficult sometimes. I get it. We may feel as if God is far from us. Or worse, God is unwilling to pick up the phone or receive the texts or look at the emails. You know, my wife will speak to me. And I asked her to listen in. If she doesn't, I'll be okay. If, if she does, I'll earn the couch, maybe. But when she, when she speaks, I don't hear sometimes very well. But when she speaks with something that I'm interested in, I seem to her more what she's saying. She has a name for it. She calls it selected hearing. Anybody else can re- relate to it? I know many of you wives out there, girlfriends, boyfriends, husbands, whatever, you, uh, they have the same disease. But I, as our pastor would say, not here in Tallahassee First Church. I wonder when God speaks to us do we have that same disease of selected hearing? When he speaks to us with something that we want to hear we're all in. But when he speaks to us and it goes against the rubber 
do we tune them out? Our God, when we pray, is always willing and ready to listen to us. God does not have selected hearing, no matter what the subject is, when we call on him. Jesus has set so many examples, and we should study him more. Because here's another time when Jesus is praying out loud. In Luke 11.1. 1. In Luke 11.1, 1, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, and when Jesus stopped praying, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. I want you to go there with me. Jesus is praying out loud. And the disciple, I'm sure, saw the power of Jesus' prayer. Not only did they see the power, they saw the closeness with his father. I believe this was their desire. I know this is our desire when we pray. Jesus also had private prayer in Luke 5, 16. He often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Jesus often went to an isolated place to pray. Mark 1, 35. Now in the morning, having risen early a long time before daylight, and I know that's tough for some, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place, and he prayed. I advocate to you, we all need a place where we can have a personal experience, obtaining the knowledge of the will of God. During our Bible study, in case nobody got the memo, if you get the memo, our Bible study on Zoom at 7 o'clock, What a special way to bring in the Sabbath with brothers and sisters of like mind. But on this particular evening, I noticed a lady in a tiny room. And I looked closer. And I didn't know if she was hiding or what, but as I looked closer, she was in the closet. And I had to ask, I said, what, what, what's going on? She said this was her private closet of prayer. She had it before even the movie War Room, if anybody's watched that movie, came out. In this private room or closet, she was set up for battle. I noticed there was a desk. I think there was some goodies there, some grapes or banana, whatever she had. For me, probably peanut butter cups or what there was some water but smack in that middle was the Bible right in the center was the word of God we all need a special time with Jesus a special place to meet in private in prayer to face this world You remember the promise of Hebrew 7.25.
Therefore, he is able to save the uttermost, those who come to God through him. Come through Jesus. Jesus lives to make intercession for us. This blows me away. Jesus is praying for us. What a wonderful thought as we go out the door to face this world every day. That Jesus is praying for us. And there's no better example of this than in Luke 22, 31 to 32. Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. The devil wants to separate you, Simon, from me. The devil wants to retain you for himself, verse 32. But Peter, I, Jesus, have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you return from me, after you see your weakness and you come back to me, strengthen your brothers. Be a testimony to others. Did you notice the faith of Jesus? That is so powerful when you break this verse down. The faith of Jesus, when you, Peter, return to me. Wow. See, Peter had some rough spots, just as you and I have. We just talked about the need to be polished and some of our rough edges to be removed. Peter had the same, but Jesus prayed for Peter by name. And during them two verses that we just saw, he reassured Peter that during his greatest struggles, Jesus would be praying for him. Not only did Jesus pray for Peter, he claimed that prayer and he claimed Peter. You know, When I first saw that Jesus prayed for Peter and that he's praying for me and you, I was taken back. See, taken out of an orphanage, looked down on, thrown out of different schools, which I deserved, fighting my way through this world, I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of pain, and I had a lot of hurt. Then on the street at 14, I haven't told many people this, I hitched like this country. I want to do it today. I never realized during that time that Jesus, my Savior, your Savior, was praying for me personally. This is only the reason, and I could tell you stories, but I don't have time today, that I believe that I'm alive today. It was so powerful when I read this, I fell on my knees. Tears streaming down, I gave thanks. It blows me away that Jesus... Our Savior is so personal in our life. 
even in his busy schedule, he finds time to pray for us. And I love Paul and his prayer life. See, Paul's a prisoner. He's in Rome. And during this hardship, he's thinking of his friends. See, he spent a year and a half with an emphasis. Paul is praying for the Ephesians while in jail in thanksgiving. Go with me. Ephesians 1, verse 15 and 16. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... I can't stop giving thanks for you to God in prayer. Break it down. Dear Lord, remember my friends in Ephesus. Remember my friends at Tallahassee First Church. Remember my children. My wife. My pastor your loved ones, touch their lives, knowing their love for Christ also. And this this church cares for one another. Paul, speaking of Christian grace, as he spoke in Galatians 4.2, Galatians 4.2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it, with thanksgiving. Be grateful for what the Lord has done for you and give thanks in prayer. Paul believed in intercessory prayer. Paul wrote to the Ephesians while he was in jail and was grateful what the Lord has done for him through others. The Roman government could chain his body to a dry, rotten dungeon walls with roaches and bugs crawling around, no AC, sweat, but they couldn't chain his prayer. See, Paul knew his prayers would ascend to the throne of God. Paul, just as you and I have a direct line, the Paul prayer in Romania. They were holding an evangelistic meeting. A lot of times the fights I had when I was growing up, I had a speech impediment. And uh, so this kind of worked with me through it. Pastor Tory was praying for his congregation. And a young man who was battling alcohol addiction which led to a broken marriage which led to a life on the street, homeless. This young gypsy man approached Tory, and he had a friend along his side. Pastor, do for him what you did for me. I did nothing. It was God. Oh, but you don't understand. See, I came here two weeks ago. I was completely lost. 
I was walking in a world I didn't see. But today, I'm a changed man. Pray for me. Pray for him as you prayed for me. The pastor turned to this young man's friend. He had bloodshot eyes, matted hair, ragged jeans, alcohol breath filled the air. He looked at him. He said, son, how bad do you want to be free? The young man said, I will give anything to be free of these addictions. See, I've lost everything. I lost my will to live. Pastor looked at him. Let's kneel together. I want you to pray. I want you to plead for help. And I will pray that God will deliver you. After the prayer, the pastor told them, the young man, to go in peace. Later that next week, the power of prayer. There was an altar call. What a transformation due to prayer. Both men, or should I say both husbands, were baptized along with their wives. Don't you have someone you would like to pray for? How do I know it's real? How do I know there's power in prayer? Because like Paul, I know it personally. I'm no different than these two young men. I drank for 30 years. At 5 o'clock, you didn't need to tell me it was 5 o'clock. I had Big Ben with me. It would go off. Then I would get high. Then I would take volumes to slow down from the pressures of this world. Yeah, from the world looking out, they saw a successful, functionable business person. But I was empty. I was trying to validate to this world that I was worthy. That I was somebody. But after giving my life to Christ, the fulfillment of the Spirit. I was in my office. I finished up my devotion. I still had struggles. And this verse came to me. And it said, Come boldly to the throne of God. I always like a challenge. I said, okay. I got on my knees. And I called out. Lord, I gave you all my life. 
I have dedicated the rest of my life to serve you. Take this desires from me. I got off my knees. I flushed the values that I, my wife hasn't found. And I haven't had a drink or drug since that day. Not to say on a hot day when I see that ice cold frosted bottle of Bud Light it doesn't bring back that desire but in the power of God and the power of prayer I was able to walk away see there's power in prayer there's no sin there's no circumstances that Christ cannot change my question to you today do you know someone who needs prayer? Do you have a habit that you would like to overcome? Do you feel if you're shackled? Do you feel hopeless? Send a prayer right now. See, Jesus is listening. Say, I gave, Lord, I give you my life. Take away these desires, whether it's drinking, drugs, pornography, envy, whatever it may be. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it's a powerful verse. If any man is born again in Christ, he or she is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What a hope we have in Christ. It's through his power we overcome. Is this your desire? Does your troubled heart long to be free? If so, lift your burdens up to Jesus. He's listening. And as we've seen today, the angels are ready to minister. that is greater than all 